0: I guess we should do this thing huh fuck yeah let's do this all right <laughs> guys, and welcome to another episode of tip to tip with Lou and Chris. My name is Lou. Hey y'all, I'm Chris. That's Chris today. He's Western again. <laughs> it's been a while since Western Chris showed up. <laughs> welcome, welcome back. Um, so this is an interesting one. This is actually going to be part two of the Tower Records West Hollywood episode that we did earlier. The thing that makes this even more uh, fun than the last <laughs> two-parter we did is that some of what you're going to hear in a second was recorded during the previous session where I was very stoned and then awesome. (laughs) And then it's going to cut from me being stoned to us recording the second half of the, of the show, uh, not stoned. So it'll be fun to edit. And when, when all is said and done, you the audience can tell me whether or not it was successful, or if it was just an absolute train wreck. And either way, <laughs> it's not like you paid for the shit, so <laughs> <laughs> you know it'll it'll be what it is. So yeah, we're not going to do a occupational breakdown because we did the occupational break- breakdown last time. And by the way, Chris, what'd you think of the
1: occupational breakdown? I fucking loved it. It was. I mean, I remember what it sounded like when we did it. That is not how it sounded. <laughs> yeah, I definitely put
0: some little twinkle toes on there. You know, you're the doctor, Made, made, it, man. made it fun. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to skip all that nonsense because you guys already heard that on the first part of this Tower Records episode, and so we can just roll right into this bad boy let's go <laughs> we're gonna do a little time traveling here and, and see you on the other side
1: so to catch everyone up lou had two edibles before starting this podcast and we're weighing in on it, it seems like they just kicked in yeah my lips
0: feel real real tight right now my, my face got tighter my face got tighter all of a sudden oh it's working All right, let's keep on going. (laughs) What was I talking about? Oh, we are talking about celebrities and how, like, they could be cool. I think my ultimate point was that there's certain people who the same thing that pushes them to, like, become successful and famous is them wanting to feel important. And then when they finally get famous and they feel important, they want to feel important all the time. And so if you, like, make a big deal out of them, it makes them feel important to, like, shrug you off, like... Be gone, little man. You know? Right. So, like, no matter who, you never know which version you're getting. Are you going to get a guy that's going to be a dick because it's his right to be a dick because he's the master race? Or are you going to get a guy who's proud to, that he did what he did and happy that you like it, you know? Master race? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> the master <laughs> race of, of, of A-list actor. Okay. Um, there was, <laughs> there was, there was a guy that worked there named Quincy and he's like a, like a cool black guy, you know, listening to like good music. Like I think Hendrix was one of his favorites. Yeah. Um, and he used to go, he used to come up and he goes, what's up? Lou? <laughs> That's like how he would, and he would do this whole like articulation with his hand. And I was like, I don't even care if you're making fun of me. It's so funny. I'm just going to just take it. It was like his introduction to me every time he saw me, yeah. but this fucking guy was super, super funny, made me laugh, was nice. He has, like, by proxy, I have one of my favorite celebrity stories because of him. He, uh, so, the Red Hot Chili Peppers used to come in a lot. Not all of them, but, uh, Anthony would come in with Flea, or John would come in alone, or with Flea, or, you know what I mean, like, some combination of those three. I never saw Chad Smith, the drummer, but the other three guys can like flea would come in a lot. And then Fushanti would come in constantly. Yeah, And, uh, they were all super nice. They're all friendly, like no, like attitude or shittiness from them. But John is like a sweet, sweet guy. He's very like quiet and like earth ethereal. And like, you know, I don't know, maybe drug damaged a little bit, but yeah. like a super sweet, nice guy, very chill, very relaxed. And like, he would buy shit and he'd forget his change like walk out and you'd have to like chase him down or he'd forget the cds on the counter you know he's like one of those kind of dudes like very spacey but very very nice and i remember he came in once and quincy had a poster like a chili peppers poster and he was like hey could you know would you be willing to sign this for me and john's like of course like sure man yeah and he's like well is there any way you could like take it with you and like get the other guys to sign it and then you bring like bring it back and he's like uh yeah I, I guess i could do that and so he takes the fucking poster you know rolls it up like and takes his shit and leaves probably forgets his change and i was like you're not getting that poster back dude <laughs> i'm like he already <laughs> forgot about you like out, on, on his way out in the parking lot he forgot about you he's like i don't know we'll see it's like all right and like fucking i don't know a week later he comes back with the poster and it's signed wow and he fucking quincy's like holy shit <laughs> he, brought, he brought it back john fashanti took a poster from an employee at tower got the other guys to sign it or forged the signatures himself i don't know which but that would be fun one, for- even that would be like effort he didn't need to put in or and he, he just signed back. john
1: fashanti over all of four, four times
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be
1: awesome it was like, it
0: was like his fucking master plan. It was like he'll never know. His four, he just sends the same name. Oh my god! I think some of my edible came through the microphone and went in your ear.
1: I feel it, dude. That was awesome.
0: Um, yeah. So, Outcast. You like Outcast? Sure, I do too. Um, was a big fan of Southern playlist, the Cadillac music. That's a weird title. Yeah title is weirder when you're high <laughs> i think i'm fine i honestly i think i'm straight um maybe but yeah i know it's gonna be so hard I, it's gonna be a two-parter man uh so the guys from outcast are in line there was some sort of like a music event going on some industry things so there's a lot of like famous music people in town and that would happen a lot you'd get like All of a sudden, fucking, like, Paul McCartney, well, no, not Paul McCartney, but Paul Simon one time came in, and then the same time as, like, two or three other people, like, what the fuck is going on? And and someone's like, there's a thing in town, it's like a music thing. I was like, oh, okay. It was, like, during one of those times, and both guys from The Outcast were there. Not The Outcast. (laughs) The fucking whitest dude ever. (laughs) The Outcast. (laughs) Um, But... But <laughs> they were there. They were in line, and Quincy was like, "I'm gonna go get a CD from the sign." So he goes, he leaves, them, and then the girl that was in line was like, "Who are who's he talking about?" I'm like, "Oh, Outcast is here," and kind of nodded towards where they were in line, like maybe seven people behind her, and she's like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." And so then line went on, and we rang them up, and they were super nice. And while we were ringing them up, the girl came back, and she was like, "You know, will you sign this?" And she like handed it to Andre like and she's like he's like yeah sure and he, he autographed her fucking whatever cd and then she started walking away and then andre started laughing oh. and then we and we realized that she didn't know that there was two guys in outcast she thought outcast big was boy, yeah. she, she didn't ask big boy for any he's like stand, and he like turned like did like the shrug like what the fuck am i and like she started <laughs> walking away and of course we're all like laughing our asses off she comes back and we kind of explained to her that yeah, he's also outcast. <laughs> like but yeah, it was fucking funny. His reaction like being like shrugged off like that. I like Andre as like,
1: an actor too.
0: Yeah, I think he's a very talented guy. Yeah. I dig him. I I dug the first two albums and then they started to get like weirder. I think he started, you know, do more psychedelics or something and you know, then suddenly hey Ya came out and I was like, nah, I'm out.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm all set. But nice guy. He was then. I don't you know. Assume he still is. Uh, Corey Feldman. What's your feelings about Corey Feldman?
1: I think there's a lot of trauma there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny.
0: I know. No, you're right. That's oh, probably why man. it is funny. It's a, that dark thing of it's so ridiculously true. Yeah. Uh, seems like a nice enough guy he was in the store wandering around had sunglasses on was like bumping into shit just seemed really out of it and then john was like i'm gonna get him to sign something i think he got like the dream a little dream soundtrack or something and had him sign it no it was just a fucking piece of paper he just signed a piece of paper And then when John brought it back to me to show me the signature, he was laughing so fucking hard, and it looked like somebody basically used their asshole to sign. It was like like a smear, you know. There's like no like signature there. That's really fucking sad, dude. And John was like, dude, he was so out of it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even like have a conversation with him. And I was like, that sucks. (laughs) Like, you know, because obviously I'm a huge Goonies fan and got a lot of love for Corey Feldman, but. Yeah, he was not, I don't know what was going on that day, but he was definitely spaced the fuck out, and the signature was so funny. We laughed at that thing all summer. (laughs) Anytime we were, you know, feeling the blues, we'd bust out Corey Feldman's signature. Oh, man. It was awesome. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay used to come in. Do you like Andrew Dice Clay?
1: What was that movie? Brain Smasher? Dicari Doc. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, He used to come in the store and walk around like he owned the fucking place. And I remember getting irritated when the clerk didn't automatically give him a discount. Like (laughs) he had to get like a manager approval and like he couldn't believe that we were going to ask the manager whether or not we could give him a discount. But yeah, he's like, he's every bit as you think he's going to be. Wow. Like, yeah, I don't know. You know, this was the fucking nineties, but he was like in it. He was thick in it. It was like post success, but pre resurgence, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, he uh, he really thought he, he thought he deserved quite a bit of acclaim at that point, I think. Uh, Fat Joe, you know who Fat Joe is, that, yeah. the, the rapper? You know Big Pun? Yeah. So they came in together. It was like a part of a big crew. Yeah. Again, some sort of industry thing. I think Eminem was maybe playing the House of Blues. And Eminem had a new CD that nobody had liked. It was his first one. Yeah. It was supposed to come out at midnight that night or something like that. And I remember they're asking, they're like wanting to know if they could buy it early. You know, can we get a copy of it? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Now thinking back about it, I'm like, I feel like they could have gotten a copy of it early from somebody associated with music industry that they know. But I swear, I swear this is my memory of the fucking. It's weird to go to a record
1: store when you're.
0: You know what it was? I think it was like, they didn't think about it. And then they're like, oh, his CD's coming out. Oh, shit. Like, can we get that? You know, that kind of thing. And I remember, like, I can't sell it to you, but let me ask my manager. And John was, like, huge into hip-hop. Like, his fucking favorite was Tribe Called Quest. And he yeah. was just like, he's who introduced me to Most Deaf, And a lot of good music came from John. But he was into that whole thing. Like, that that was his style of music, his genre. And so I was like, oh, this will be funny. So I'm like, you know, follow me, guys. And I, like, walked towards the Miller store. And then I, like, went and got John. He was, like, in the cash office doing something. I was like, hey, there's some guys out here who want to talk to you. <laughs> and, and, like, and then he comes out of the fucking back room and there's Big Pun and Fat Joe standing there like, hey, what's up, man? What <laughs> it was, was like, his reaction? The at his face was, it was hilarious. The look at his face was so fucking funny. He was, like, stunned. But then they asked him and, and he's like yeah i could probably fucking i'll just give them to you and then take the money and i can ring them up later you know what i mean like, it's not a problem and so and i remember watching him walk and it was like big pun and fat joe on either side and then john in the middle and he's like five six or five seven like a <laughs> yeah. little white dude you know <clears throat> like, like their kid like their adopted <laughs> kid um yeah they were super nice nice guys i'm pretty sure they both are dead now right
1: oh I don't i'm pretty know. sure
0: i think they've both passed on holy shit which is a weird coincidence maybe that was a bad luck anecdote
1: hmm.
0: i'm pretty sure they both are i know at least one of them is but i think both of them are fat joe definitely is hmm. but i think big pun too uh well either i'm right and that sucks or i'm wrong and yay cool for one of you guys <laughs> right. still out there in the world <laughs> but they were super nice that day and gave john a little thrill antonio banderas this is one of, this is oh. one of my favorites First of all, we've talked in the past about how my hair, I, I grew it long because I wanted to look like Antonio Banderas in Desperado. Mm-hmm. And then instead I looked like me with, you know, stupid long hair. <laughs> <laughs> so Antonio Banderas is, is buying CDs from me all of a sudden. Sometimes it was like that. You'd be like spacing out or talking to somebody. You turn and now you're suddenly interacting with Antonio Banderas. But it was like him and this older white guy. And they were buying some stuff. But one of the things they were buying was the soundtrack to Four Rooms. Which, if you're an Antonio Banderas fan, you know that he's in that. It was one of those movies that was directed by, like, four people. I think Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, they all had, like, their own little, like, vignette in this bigger movie. But he okay. was in that movie, and I think it was in Robert Rodriguez's portion. But I was like, can't you get one of these for free? Like, saying, like, hey, you're in the fucking movie. You're on the cover of this shit. You know, you can't get one of these for free? And he says, I know, man. Can you believe it? <laughs> I was like, no. And then they were like all laughing about, you know, the idea that he can't get a fucking four room soundtrack for free. He's got to buy it from Tower Records. It's very funny. Yeah, I know, man. Can you believe it? It was my favorite. That made me so happy. I definitely said that like 40 times that night. Uh, Antonio Banderas does not disappoint. Antonio Banderas is the anti-Henry Rollins (laughs) when it comes to social interactions in my life. Because I left that one feeling good. Uh, Seth Green and Brecken Meyer, they both they would come in together. <laughs> like, they came in enough where you would kind of they were the kind you'd be familiar with. Like, they come up and ask, like, "Hey, how's it going?" Who's Brecken Meyer? Uh, Brecken Meyer was. Did you see uh, Road Trip with Tom Green and Amy Smart? Yes. Brecken Meyer is the main character in that little white guy. He was in Clueless as the skateboarder kid. He, yes. Yes. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's mm. in Rat Race. Yeah, which I know you love. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah he's a, he's a super nice guy part of why I like him as an actor he was in a Can't Hardly Wait right was he? Seth Green was I, f- I feel like Brecken was in there somewhere too anyway he's in a bunch of those fucking kind of movies mm. but yeah I like him and I think part of why I like him is because at this point he was like a really funny nice guy and he was fun to be around and I was like oh, I like this dude and then you know I see him on screen I'm like I like that dude I remember at one point Val Kilmer was in the store at the same time as Seth Green and Brecken and Breckenmeyer and Seth Green were at the front, like by the registers with us, like checking out or something, and they were both like talking and laughing about how it'd be weird if they kicked his ass. And there'd be like a news story of like like Val Kilmer got his ass kicked by these two fucking nobodies, you know, and they're like they were like making themselves laugh, you know, thinking about it. Yeah. And then we were all laughing at the idea and everybody sitting there laughing at you know, the idea of kicking Val Kilmer's ass. Like they're they're you know, it's fucking weird. And then another time Val Kilmer came in, and that's this, this point I'm at the registers, it's me and this girl Stephanie, who I've kind of taken a shine to, and uh, so Val Kilmer's in the store, and Stephanie's like, I want to ring him up, like make it so I ring him up, like, don't fucking steal him from me, and I was like, alright, we'll figure it out, and so we kind of like watching him walk around the store as we're ringing up customers, and then we have the line, and then Val Kilmer's in the line, but I was like watching him walk around the store, and he was just like putting random shit in his basket. Like, it didn't look like he was even looking at stuff. He was just pulling a random CD or two random CDs out of the, the thing and just putting them in his basket without even looking at what he was grabbing. And he just walked around the whole store and did that until his basket was, like, you know, full of fucking CDs. But he gets in line, and now we're trying to time it. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go slow. Go fast, go fast, go fast. Go slow, no, like, stall, stall, stall. Like, <laughs> trying to make it so that the line would even and, she, and Val Kilmer would go to her. And I definitely, like, made the, the woman I was bringing up wait. Until Stephanie finished with her customer yeah. and then called Val Kilmer over so I could finish her transaction. But so then all of a sudden there's no more line because Val Kilmer was like the second to last or the last person in line. So he's pulling all the CDs out and Stephanie's like making piles and everything and trying to talk to him. And he's acting real fucking cagey. Like he's acting real weird. And he's got sunglasses on and he's just seems like a little too sweaty, you know, <laughs> and so she puts all the CDs up, she rings them all up and she's like asking him questions and he's like not having any answers. Like she's asking like why he's buying Britney Spears, you know, that kind of thing. And then she finishes ringing everything up and then she tells him the price and he puts his credit card down on the counter. And then she goes to grab it. He like pulls it back from her. He goes, what if I don't want to pay? Like in that voice. (laughs) And she looked at me. She's like, what the fuck is going (laughs) on, man? (laughs) He's the really and then, genius, and then as I'm looking back at him, like, "What's going on, man?" And then he like laughs and he like slides the card back, like he's just joking around. But it was so weird. What if I don't want to pay? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, man, this guy is fucking lit up right now. I don't know, but he was off. He was he was different. It was <laughs> it was very weird. Imagine, I fucking imagine love it.
1: you and Val Kilmer both doing edibles together. Oh man! <laughs>
0: oh man! He'd be fucking he'd be calling me goose the whole time, <laughs> fucking Val Kilmer. <laughs> I like Val Kilmer. Do you like Val? Do you like Val Kilmer?
1: I do, and I love the movie Real Genius.
0: Fuck yeah, dude! So underrated that this movie.
1: Such a good movie.
0: Oh, we should do a podcast about that. Do you want just do it now? <laughs>
1: so uh hey guys this is episode one season one of the real genius podcast real genius cast
0: oh man sounds good to me um (laughs) oh man this is gonna be so hard to edit um i sold billy bob thornton cds and he was like super macho he had like his sleeves rolled up and shit but he was real nice And the only reason that that's relevant is because I saw Billy Bob Thornton about a month ago in front of Gelson's. He was sitting in the car waiting for Tammy to come out and he just walked past the car and he like slowed down and looked at me like he looked like fucking Bigfoot, (laughs) like just walking by like all slow. But yeah, fucking Billy Bob Thornton. He's (laughs) he's he's he might as well just be my friend. We've been hung out twice now. Very funny. Um, so uh, Wayne static, You, you know, my Wayne static story. Yeah. Uh yeah i went to that you know the gas station across some whiskey where i'd go get a juice and then come back and wonder why buck adams was pacing around the parking lot (laughs) um one time i went up there to get a juice and wayne static was in line and he was all done up like his hair was fucking tall and shit but he was like standing in line at the gas
1: station he's pretty short isn't he
0: (laughs) yeah he was like my height with his hair But, but, yeah, it was really, really comical sight. Just him standing in line at the gas station with that hair. Um, makes me sad that he died. And then it makes me feel <laughs> weird when I saw like that Static X is doing a reunion or
1: something. Like, wait, who, who's singing? Mike and John went to that. Who's singing? I'm not kidding. Um, You know the is band this? Dope? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lead singer of that band. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Okay. It's weird, because his name is in the fucking name of the band. Right. There's no way his name is static. Let me my last real name, is static. Him and guess, Tracy Lords are, like, walking around laughing at me. I guess
1: I guess there's some songs that uh, they just had his audio playing, like his vocals. Oh, that is weird. Yeah, they're, like, making an album with some of, like, uh, like old stuff, I guess. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well... I saw him at a gas station.
1: <laughs> what was he buying? Do you remember? I
0: don't remember. probably cigarettes. Let's be honest. That seems the most reasonable bet. You know Emmanuel Lewis? Yes. He played Webster. Yeah. He's got a foul mouth. <laughs> he's yeah, He's a foul-mouth little dude. <laughs> but he was super nice. He was a really nice guy, but he's got he likes to swear. <laughs> um, Alice Cooper did it in store. Do you know do you know about Alice Cooper? Have you heard this name? young young buck
1: <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify this with an answer.
0: Yeah, he did it in store there but he didn't play. He just signed autographs. Oh, okay. Nice enough guy. I don't remember thinking anything about it. I was like, okay, I knew who Alice Cooper is. He was in and he was in Wayne's World. <laughs> you know, like that I was loved, my frame of
1: his cameo in Wayne's World. Yeah, it's good.
0: Miliwake. <laughs> <Yes>. Um <laughs> he, he knows but, yeah. like the history of the Native Americans. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, he was nice enough. Uh, Prince, however, Prince came into the store and he came in after we were closed and we stayed open so he could, like, browse. Mm. And then one of his security guys came and told us that we weren't allowed to make eye contact with him.
1: Oh, <laughs> give me a fucking break with that shit. Yeah.
0: That was one of the first times I was like, oh, uh, all right, well, fuck you. <laughs> I'll make eye contact with your fucking asshole lips. <laughs> um so this is uh, one of the big ones for me, and it's not because of the, who it is, because Ricky Martin did an in store, and uh, I don't really care about Ricky Martin. She bang, whatever, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he did an in store, and five thousand people came.
1: Holy shit!
0: So it was like five thousand screaming girls descended on Tower Records. And we had like queue lines wrapping like all through the parking lot and then out like around down sunset and shit. Yeah. And we had to wear laminates to get in and out. Like we had special laminates for the day that got us past security and everything. And uh, the things I remember about that are, so I'm sta- I'm in the break room just sitting on the couch or whatever. And that guy Murphy that I talked about with the cowboy. Um, yeah. He, he was like waiting to take a piss. Like he was standing by the bathroom door and then... Ricky Martin came up,
1: okay, and in the break room. behind,
0: yeah, in the break room. He was like waiting around for the in store to start. There wasn't like, you know, there wasn't customers in the store or anything. He comes up and Murphy's like, "Oh, go ahead, man." Like when the door opened, and Ricky Martin's like, "No, you go ahead." And <laughs> Murphy says, "Yeah, that's cool, but I don't have five thousand people waiting for me, so you go ahead." <laughs> and then Ricky Martin laughed. It was like, "Well played." <laughs> Took his piss. But uh, I remember that making me laugh. And then I also remember that Ricky Martin's like assistant or something was clearly his gay lover. Oh, man. Like, so clearly. And this is before he came out. And, you know, you, you get like a pop star like that. And then anybody that's like jealous like me is going to fucking make jokes about like, a, you know, he's probably gay. <clears throat> that kind of, you know, immature bullshit. This time you're and then, right. Well then, I'm fucking standing there talking to him or near him, and I see him interacting. And there's this guy that's like his assistant, but it just—I was like, that's that's definitely his gay lover. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and then crazy. you know, of course, you yeah, and Then years later, he came out of the closet. It was like a big deal, and I was like, I don't know. It was I don't know if it was that well hidden, <laughs> but he was super nice. He was a very nice guy, and I went on my lunch break to Subway yeah to get sam- to get a sandwich and i'd like get through security and like battle crowds and shit and after i was done eating my sandwich i was walking back to the store and these three girls who were like definitely underage like high school girls were like you know oh can you get us in can you get some? I'm like oh sorry like i only have i can get me in i have this and they're like if you can get us in we'll suck your dick oh. and i was like yeah no, i don't think that changes the- <laughs> i can't get you in um have a good rest of your day <laughs> Like walking back and feeling really dirty, like really gross about it. Like, what the fuck just happened? Again, only in L.A. is that kind of thing going to happen to me. Now we get to the portion of the show where I don't really remember these interactions, except for that I remember they happened, but there was nothing special. But Dr. Dre came in. uh, Dermot Mulroney. Do you know who Dermot Mulroney is? No. He is an actor, and you should look up his shit because he's in a lot of good stuff. Okay. Do you ever see my best friend's wedding with <laughs>
1: with um, Julia, uh, Roberts. Julia Roberts? Yeah,
0: he played the husband or the fiance. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: He's yeah. a lot of stuff. He's got like a cleft lip. He was in a movie called um, The Thing. I think of him from is going to be Career Opportunities, which came out in like the eighties. And Frank Whaley and Jennifer Conley are stuck in a Target. It's like a teen comedy from the fucking eighties. Okay. Um, but he was in that. Which is where I know him from originally, and then of course, tons of stuff. I think he was a nice guy. I didn't write he was a dick, so he's probably a nice guy. Right. Meg Ryan came in. Uh, Brian Austin Green. I actually would see this cat around L.A. a lot, like in cars and stuff, just driving by or at stoplights or looking through the window of (laughs) his living room. (laughs) I couldn't get through it without laughing. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <man>. um, <laughs> jean Triplehorn. do you know who jean Triplehorn is
1: you gotta remind me
0: she was the woman in Waterworld, world like kevin costner's character kind of falls in love with yeah okay she was also the the um she was i think in basic instinct wasn't she the wife wasn't that he cheats on or is that fatal attraction she's in one of those fucking movies she's dope we like her um <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember her, but I, I know I definitely saw her out in the wild because I wrote about it. Uh, Adam Sandler came in. Chris Rock came in. Luke Wilson came in. Uh, Drew Barrymore used to come in quite a bit. Actually, oh, she was super Drew nice, but Barrymore. I don't have any stories about her. Uh, Glenn Danzig, little ass, used to come in. <laughs> uh, Re- Reese Witherspoon came in. Joey Fatone from Insync came in, but I only remember it because the girl he was with was flirting with me, and remember thinking. That's right, motherfucker. <laughs> that's right, Mr. NSync. <laughs> um, yeah. That's what I, Joel Schumacher, do you know who he is? He's a director. He yeah. directed he had directed, I believe, the Batman and Robin that we've talked about in, <laughs> Or Batman Forever, maybe. Yeah. No, it was Batman and Robin. Was it both? Uh, did he ruin both? He did Lost Boys. That's where where I get him from. <laughs> Gary Gary with a Nobby who played Long Duck Dong in Sixteen Candles.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> he definitely came in. Um, fucking Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under. I know you're a Six Feet Under guy. Yeah. She was actually really, really nice. Uh, Billy Zane came in and Billy zane around the store. <laughs> uh, Eliz- Elizabeth Berkeley, who, you know, for all you, all you Saved by the bill and Showgirls fans out there, I count myself among you. Absolutely um moon unit zappa you, you're not gonna know moon unit but moon unit's dad was frank and both his kids are like interesting artsy you know just like him basically but yeah younger but i remember moon unit came in and i was like that's fucking moon unit zappa <laughs> <laughs> there's a human being in the world named moon unit and that's her <laughs> um jenny mccarthy came in before she was you know all anti-vax <laughs> <laughs> but I remember her coming in. I remember her being as attractive as you'd think she would be. Uh, Uh, and then on the other side, Alicia Silverstone. Do you like her? Yes. Yeah. She definitely was wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And like, she was a hardcore, like rolled out of bed mode, which I, I enjoyed it. I was like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Quentin Tarantino saw him there as well. Now there's a certain, there's a Quentin Tarantino story, but we're going to save that for next episode. 'Cause it, it's more apropos in the next episode, but it, it's a funny one. Yeah, at a certain point in my journal, I wrote, I'm not gonna list celebrities anymore. Like they're just it's too much. There's, there's too many to to name, and then the same ones start coming again, and you're like, Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's differently interesting. It's not it's unlike any other place I've ever worked for sure. They uh they approached me about being a supervisor there and like towards kind of the middle and i was like uh and then they they told me the raise is like 50 cents and i was (laughs) like yeah i'm all set i'm not going to be in charge of anything for 50 more cents for 625 an hour to like have keys like fuck off uh the legend is that russ solomon the guy that started tower like the you know the main dude that he used to say he paid his employees what they're worth minus what they steal
1: yeah i've heard this
0: And I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be a supervisor, though. No interest in that. Uh, Something I thought was very weird that happened while I was working at Tower. So I used to, as I discussed, the shifts that I worked, the morning shifts, so Saturdays and Sundays when I get there at nine. I'd get there early cause I walk to work and I don't like being late. So I would err on the side of caution and end up being early a lot of times. Yeah. So I'd get there. I'd be like, okay, I got some time to kill. I'd walk up to the gas station, the same one that I uh, saw Wayne static at. <laughs> and, uh, I'd get a juice or, you know, something, something to drink or whatever, just in the morning, just to like give myself something to do to kill, you know, an extra 10, 15 minutes if I was early enough. And I would, so I'd walk up sunset about two blocks and it's usually pretty dead at that time of day everybody's already like done with the fucking clubs and everything they've all gone ha- home to mm-hmm. go to sleep so there's not a lot of like foot traffic or it's like even 8 in street the traffic yeah like 8 eight fifteen in the morning mm-hmm. and uh so i was walking up one time up that that route and i'm on the north side of sunset and i see a like somebody laying kind of half in, half out of the street, like their legs were on the curb up on the sidewalk and then their body was in the street. So like they're kind of halfway in the, you know, like in the gutter basically. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on over here? Like I see, I I see, I see a guy laying in the street and I'm like, okay, he's probably homeless. You know, he's probably, you know, hopefully not dead. But as I'm coming up, I also see a cop car like pulling up on the other side I'm like, okay, good. Somebody called the police. They're going to check this out. Good enough. I go in. You know, I pass. I walk past. I get you my walk fucking... over the man. <laughs> no, no. I was on the other side of the street. But I crossed the street, you know, like got my juice, came back. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to see like commotion or an ambulance or something. I come back and the cop is out of his cop car now. And he's standing over the fucking guy. And he's poking him with a stick. <laughs>
1: Like a stick or his nightstick?
0: No, like a fucking stick off the ground. <laughs> oh. was him with like a branch. <laughs> you fuck out of here, dude! I'm not kidding. It was the weirdest fucking thing I ever saw. <sighs> it was so weird. That's why I fucking remember it. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember stopping And you know, this is before the days of cell phones and whatever. So it's not like I was gonna. I, I wish I could snap a picture of that because it's fucking bizarre. But it was a cop standing over a guy, laying half in, half out of the street, and he was poking him with a stick to, like, see if he was alive. You know what I mean? That's so fucking weird. Yeah, I definitely was like, that's something something new. I haven't seen that one before. Did you see any motion? No. No, he just poked him with a stick, and then he was, like, talking into his little, like, you know, microphone thing that they stick to their fucking chest. Right. They're not a walkie-talkie, but they're CB. Yeah. Yeah, it was just I don't know, weird. It's weird, and I fucking stuck with me for twenty years. <laughs> Police <laughs> work at its finest. I know, cop poking you, a guy with a you okay, stick. motherfucker? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it was super weird. Um, yeah. So we covered a large amount of this job in episode one. So why are we doing episode two? You might ask. There's two reasons. Reason number one, I was pretty high. <laughs>
1: and i really just kind of lost track of i lost my way i'm not gonna <laughs> you, lie to you, you were fine until i i so i were we're sitting at what a week later a week and a half later yeah, a week and a half probably and yeah. i re-listened to that bitch and you were fine and you were straight and then you're like oh no <laughs> yeah was, something went it went south real quick real fast now Uh,
0: there are there is you haven't heard it yet because you've you've listened to the episode as edited yes and there's episode after that which i we still have a conversation and i talk and tell stories and stuff (laughs) and i'm i keep it together pretty good but there was moments where i'm looking at your face on the skype chat (laughs) while i'm talking to you and you look like i you don't look normal like your face to me was just like I'm going to I'm going to show you kind of what you looked like. Okay. The audience won't be able to see it. Maybe you can just describe it, but I'm looking at you in the Skype chat and you're just like
1: <laughs> So my mouth is agape, my eyes are squinted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I almost looked like you weren't you were like not there, you know, like in your head or something. Okay. I just was you looked like I almost felt like you were gone. And I was like and for a second I'm like is he still here? am I, am I still talking to him? <laughs> like, like it's there's like a Skype chance freeze or something. Yeah. There's a chance Skype froze. And I was just talking to a frozen image of you and you were gone for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and like for a split second, I was like, are we still recording? <laughs> you know? and like at that point I was like, <laughs> we need to, we need to stop recording now if you're still there. <laughs> and finish this next time because I'm losing my fucking mind a little bit holy shit so that's reason number one reason number two why we're doing part two of this is because the circumstances around which I quit this job I think are part of the, the, the more interesting thing about this whole story because you know normally I just quit a job and some of them have been like mildly interesting and some of them have been completely unremarkable but this one was weird, because I liked the job, and I I didn't want to quit, you know what I mean? Like, I, I wanted to stay there, but as we discussed, my relationship melted down. That happened at the same time as my band breaking up. So, like, me and her broke up, I got the job at, at Tower, maybe a month later. Uh, even kind of short version of the story, as you know, you know, our... Stuff got locked in a storage space the night before we had a show lined up, and they were like, Well, you what do you want to do? We can maybe show up and borrow equipment. I'm like, Yeah, but you fucking play a five string bass, and nobody there is gonna have a five string bass. You're not gonna be able to like transpose our songs in your head on the spot, it's gonna be a fucking train wreck. And I don't want to go up there and embarrass myself and play like a horrible set like that I know is gonna suck. And it was like a nothing show. We were like in the middle of a fucking Saturday or something on the bill with like nine, ten other bands, like an all day kind of thing. Yeah. And nobody cared about any of these fucking bands. It was everybody's friends. You know, we're playing a show just to like, you know, play a show. And it was like one of the ones we'd lined up and we'd started lining more up. Like we'd booked stuff going ahead of time. And but we had this show at a place called The Garage and Our storage space, which was supposed to be 24 hours, was just randomly closed. And all of our fucking equipment, our guitars and amps, were all inside our storage space. And there was no, like, phone number to, like, get a hold of the owner or anything. Because it was supposed to be a 24-hour place. There's always supposed to be someone there. So we were basically fucked. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? They basically said, we'll do what you want to do. And Aaron's like, I want to play the show. And Shane's like, I'm, I'm fine either way. So then it was up to me and I said, I don't want to play the show. I don't I think it's not worth like putting a bad like showing people that we suck when we're this new in town is like not a good idea if we can help it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were like, Okay, that's fine. Like it didn't wasn't even really a thing after that. I was like, Okay, you know, we made our choice, L- you know, lose not comfortable, we won't do it. And then like days later, they were like, We're this is the reason why we're moving back to <laughs> okay. Illinois. So I was like, okay, they don't really seem like those kind of guys, though, which is weird. Yeah, the whole thing was weird. I mean, Shane was not in a great place emotionally at the time, so he was sort of not at his best, probably. And I mean, Aaron kind of too, but Aaron's even Aaron at his worst is still still like emotionally more stable than most people I've met. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So like, he's a pretty solid guy, but even he was like, yeah, this isn't working. I didn't think it wasn't working band wise. I actually think we were, it was going okay. And like I said before, you know, we had a bunch of places calling us saying, like, hey, we want to book you. We had shows set up in the future. That's huge. Um, That's fucking huge, dude. We had one of the ones, like, one of the places I really wanted to play was The Troubadour. And they had called us and basically said, hey, after you play this series of shows that you've got set up right now, give us a call back. We might have something we can put you on, like, in May. You know what I mean? And at this point, it's like February. And so we were like rolling in the right direction, I thought. But I wasn't in a great place emotionally, for sure. I was like fucking kind of pissed off a lot and sad and, you know, manic, basically. <laughs> probably I was probably
1: would, weird to be around. It would not be fun to be around you. <laughs> no. And
0: so, yeah, I mean, that's basically the girlfriend broke up. The band decided to move back to Illinois I didn't want to go back to Illinois. I didn't want to, A, I didn't want to give up and B, I think there's a chance that I didn't want to leave being around Jacqueline. You know what I mean? Even though we were broken up, I don't think I wanted to put distance. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why exactly. I don't know if I thought like we might get back together or something, but yeah, I just didn't want to leave yet. I didn't feel like it was time to leave you know I couldn't move there for it wasn't a vacation for me you know so they decided to leave and so now I I was like okay I have an apartment we we have a lease they're breaking the lease they're basically just going to bounce on the lease and the apartment was going to let us break the lease so they were like okay you guys can fucking leave and so I was like okay I I don't know where I'm going to stay in a month right i probably had about a month or a month and a week or something to figure my situation out right and you know that plus me being in a bad headspace and i so this is where it's going to take a weird turn because we're about to talk about the military
1: let me let me just pause you really quick before you get too far do it so they told you they wanted to leave you had this apartment for about a month and a week So, did they just fucking bail? A, did they bail and just leave and head home? B, were you like, okay, fuck you guys? Or how did that go exactly? They,
0: if memory serves correct, they gave me a week to two weeks notice where we're leaving to Mm -hmm. actually being gone. It was pretty quick. Wow. So, it was like, we're we're moving back, and they settled their business and went back it's like they did not stick around um at that point Jacqueline had moved out she'd moved in with her boyfriend she was like sort of coming by occasionally to get her stuff you know there was like I remember there being a moment where her and her new boyfriend came to pick up her stuff oh you know that kind of thing and you were there yeah I was there I was there and I was fucking post-workout and like fucking veiny and huge and I'm pretty sure I was shirtless and I feel like afterwards she told me that this new guy was really freaked out by it. I guess I, I wasn't purposefully like, look at me being fucking muscular and big and angry looking, but I, feel I mean, like I you were a little bit, well, that's the thing. Like afterwards I was like, oh, okay, yeah, probably <laughs> <laughs> like it certainly was, I mean, there's a, a reason why you do all that work, you know, yeah, for sure. It's not to look soft. So yeah. Uh, that moment was shitty, though. I, I do remember that moment and not enjoying it. Uh, as far as was I like, fuck you to them? Kind of. I don't think I was outright. I don't think I said, fuck you guys. I think it was like, yeah, if you want to go back, go back. I'm not going with you. I'm not going back to Chicago. Fuck that. And I feel like I feel like Shane was very like, he just said, we're, we're leaving. I'm going back. I'm moving back. He didn't say, like, come with. And I feel like Aaron was more measured. He was like, why don't you come with? We can keep doing the band, you know? Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm I'm not going back. I don't want to go back. That's um, funny because I was like, oh, I don't want to go back. And then within like two weeks of that conversation, probably I was like, I might join the Navy, <laughs> you know, which is also so- an idea. <laughs> Yeah, and it's definitely like, oh, I don't want to leave L.A. unless I'm going to go join the Navy, in which case I'll leave L.A. happily. Um, yeah, I, I've always kind of fantasized about joining the military as I, when I was growing up. Like, There's something about it that appealed to me. Weirdly, it's none of the patriotism shit. It's none of that serving your country shit. It's more about like discipline and adventure. And in that moment, it was certainly, how can I get myself in a situation where I can take out some aggression, you know? And, you know, I thought about the different branches and I was like, okay, well, Navy seals are cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I can be a Navy seal. Right. Mm-hmm. Which of course is a stupid thing to just be casual. Like maybe I can be and you know, like, that sounds dumb at the time. I'm 22 and fucking running 10 miles casually. And, you know six percent body fat and no fucking family and no friends in that moment and very kind of self-loathing and mad at the world and it's perfect like in the that's the, yeah like that's in the fucking recipe <laughs> yeah like in the wrong headspace except for if you want to create a killer then maybe it's the right headspace <laughs> but yeah i was like fuck, what's stopping me i could join the navy if if i don't if it's not a good fit I've, i'll do four years i'll do my contract Maybe I'll be able to save some money, which I don't know if that's comical or not. But at the time, it seemed like reasonable, especially since I don't drink. Yeah. I don't, you know, do the things that people spend their money on on the weekends when you're in the military. So, like, you know, they pay my room, they pay my board, they pay my food. You know, like I just and then best case scenario, I enjoy it or I actually do make it through buds or even into buds and then through buds. And then, you know, it is what it is. Now, thinking back, I I don't think that you, I think it's probably hard to to have that experience and not come from a place of wanting to serve your country and being patriotic and shit like that, because you're going to be asked to do a lot of fucked up things, you'll be put in a lot of fucked up situations, and there's got to be something that drives you to do what you're told to do, when it's not necessarily your instincts to do Mm -hmm. that. So I think I would have ran into trouble. The good news is, uh. I figured that out before it mattered, but we'll get into that in a second. The, (laughs) (laughs) there was a Navy recruitment office as a military recruitment office, like a walking distance, like maybe two blocks away from our apartment. So I went in and I talked to a recruiter and kind of told him my situation. I didn't tell him obviously all my situation, but I basically (laughs) said, yeah, like, you know, here's my, my home life. I, I don't, I'm not leaving anybody. I don't have anybody. I recently broke up with a girl was in a breakup i don't have a girlfriend um looking for something different looking for adventure kind of interested in you know buds all that kind of stuff now if you don't know what buds is it's basically the navy seal school that's what they call it it stands for some shit that you can look it up if you really want to know but um yeah i gave them the spiel and of course they were ecstatic you know they saw me walk in like all fucking cut up and and ready to go and trim and fit and excited to like not, you know, pay rent. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they were like, and they were like, yeah, let's do this. So when you, uh, when you join the Navy, you have to take a test. It's called the ASVAB, which stands for something that I don't really remember, but yeah. it's, it's like a written, like an SAT or something like that. You know, you basically go to a, a place and they give you a practice test at the recruitment office and I guess it's to weed out the fucking real morons. Yeah. And then once you dis- you know display that you can spell your name and shit like that, <laughs> then they actually set up a a day for you to go to a facility and they drive you there and you take the test in a room and it's like the whole spiel with like, you know, 30 other people and everybody's got their own little fucking cubicle and you, you know, you fucking fill out the what are those things called scantron exactly <laughs> yes yeah it's like that you know what i mean you're like you know filling you know, in circles. filling in c <laughs> yeah exactly that that kind of deal and to get into to be qualified to actually join you have to get at least a 31 i believe on it so it's not like out of 100 it's i don't even know if it's out of 100 but it might be okay but it's or not 31%. like a, it's percent. I don't even know if it's a percentile. I didn't do the research to find out what the 31 is. I don't know. if It's not like 31 correct answers, but it's just however they're measuring it. Yeah. You have to score at least a 31 to get in, which with no frame of reference, like my brain was like, okay, well, out of a hundred, I got it. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's a fucking 31, but I don't really know. What I do know is that. So at the same time as I was joining, the, there was a girl in there who was also joining the Navy and she was kind of cute she she like dark skin she um, looked like maybe mixed race curly hair very friendly very like outgoing like I talked to her a little before we we like went into the recruitment office because she was staying outside and then he talked to us together because we we went together to take this test okay. and the whole car ride there it's like me and her sitting in the back seat while he's driving and she's just chatting my ear up And she's telling me all about her situation. She, like, moved there from somewhere else and, like, didn't know anybody and didn't have a place to live. She was, like, staying in a hostel or something. And it became very clear that she was trying to join the military because she had nowhere to go. Fuck, And it was, like, it was that or homeless. (laughs) You know what I mean? It kind of, that vibe. And the whole time she's talking to me, I'm like, this chick's flirting with me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> while we're driving to the fucking take the test <laughs> and i'm trying to get my head right you know i'm like come on get in the head mode get in a test mode like i'm not i'm not great at taking tests it's not like a skill i have really so yeah. i'm sort of trying to concentrate but she's like chatting me up and just wants to know all about my situation and she gets really excited when she hears that i have a place to th- like apartment you know <laughs> that kind of thing and so we get to the place and we're sitting in this fucking waiting room for a long time. And then we go and take our test. And then we're back in the waiting room for a long time. And in the waiting room, they have a video playing like a, a, on repeat on a big TV Ugh. and it's their don't ask, don't tell video okay. because this is back in the day where being gay was bad for the, in the military. Wow. And so they had a video playing that basically was like winking at you. Like if you're gay, don't tell. Cause we can't ask you if you're gay. But if you tell us you're gay, then we're going to kick you out. Obviously, it didn't say that, but it was very like wink, wink, nod, nod, kind right. of like, don't, don't be gay. <laughs> oh, Are you gay? Don't tell me. Don't tell me if you're gay. <laughs> I don't want to know if you're gay. <laughs> and the whole time I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, I'm, pre- I'm openly bisexual in my life. I don't I'm not I don't pretend, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to fucking pretend for the next four years or they might kick me out of the military. Like you're not allowed to be what you are. So already I'm like, ooh, do I wanna do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Do I wanna sign up for four years of pretending that, that cock's not delicious? I don't know. <laughs> um but that's neither here nor there. After that, we get in the car, he the recruiter comes back and, and picks us up from the facility and on the way back, I'm like waiting. He's like telling us, like, "Oh yeah, I'll give you guys your scores when we get back to the to the recruitment office." Like, he's not going to give them to us in the car. Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, that's weird." And then, and then while we're driving, I can't remember what he said, but he's like, uh, "I think she just like told him to tell us what we what what the scores score. we had." Yeah. And she had scored. Like a twenty eight or something. Oh fuck! Like she scored under the thirty one, well, and I that's had scored, why he didn't want to tell you guys. Yeah, yeah. That that's why it became clear. And then I scored a sixty nine. Now sixty nine is relevant for two reasons. <laughs> you know the first reason. <laughs> I don't need to tell you why. The first reason. But when he said sixty nine, I had to stifle a laugh because I'm a fucking child. You and sure he are. didn't say it like he didn't say it like hit. Hey, this is funny. He just said it said the, the number 69, and I was like, <laughs> like a fucking moron. The second thing that's interesting is he, he didn't say it like it was great, you know? Okay, yeah. He was just like, and you got a 69, and then he moved on, right? And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I passed, that's cool, but I guess maybe it was out of 100, and it's still a D, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Right. So we get back to the recruitment office and he takes us separately into two offices and he comes in and he basically says 69 is fucking awesome. Like it's really, really good. Um, It's like when people go to ROTC, like pre military stuff to like, and and come in from a program and they're prepared for the test. Those are the kind of scores they want from those guys. So for me to just walk in off the street and score that I guess was like pretty impressive to him. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, It's like an IQ test or anything else. It's not like I studied for it. It was just kind of general knowledge questions, and I answered the best as I could. And I guess I guessed right on some of the math ones. <laughs> but he basically was like, yeah, this score sets you up to do pretty much anything you want to do in, in the Navy. And I was like, okay, well, that's good to hear. And I was like, what about her? And he's like, yeah, that's why I didn't make a big deal out of your score, because she's got to take it again if she wants to get – she can't get in with that. So she can t- take it again, but – like yeah, he he basically was like yeah, she's not gonna get in, <laughs> she's not gonna cut it. Wow. And then I was like oh okay, and he basically like said to me like yeah, she's kind of too stupid to be in the military, unfortunately for her. And then he segued from that I shit you not into sounds like she kind of likes you though, and I was like yeah I guess like he heard her <laughs> talking to me in the car ride. He's like you think you might you might hit that, and I was like did he really say that? Yeah. He said that to me. The recruiter said that to me. And I was like, probably not.
1: <laughs> probably and the not truth is, I'm bisexual and I don't the like The truth
0: is, no, the truth is, I was kind of thinking about it already. <laughs> like, I was like, she doesn't have anywhere to go. I could say, hey, if you want to come stay at my apartment, it's just me there. I'm alone. I've got it for another month. Mm hmm and out of like kind of out of the goodness of my heart, like honestly, I was like, I kind of felt bad for, her. Yeah. but I was like, you know, if I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to have sex with her. Right. And whether or not it's because it's two consenting adults doing it, or it's because she's in a vulnerable position and I'm like giving her a place to say, and she feels like she has to pay me back somehow. And I was like, I don't want to be in that situation at all. Yeah. But I didn't, I don't think enough of my own character that I I thought I can let her stay in that apartment with me and I won't have sex with her because I just I am not that good a person, I guess, which sucks. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be that good a person. But I just know that i that's where it would have gone. Unless she was, like, a horrible... Like, we got into the apartment and she was just awful, then maybe I would have passed. But that <laughs> that would have she been seemed a perfectly bump. fine. She seemed stupid. She seemed like a, a dumb person. But she was a, an adult. And, you know, it's like she was a fucking child. Right. But I just... I basically was like, yeah, I can't. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm going to do something that's going to make me feel shitty. That said, I put myself in plenty of situations like that where i made myself feel shitty but this is one less time that happened Mm -hmm. so i i told my recruiter that i wasn't planning on fucking her and that you know and he was like all right i probably would but whatever (laughs) and he was like fucking in his 40s you know what i mean (laughs) He's kind of a dweeby dude um yeah it was a weird it was a weird conversation and then he he basically the way it worked was After that portion of the recruitment process, the next thing was they set up a, like a physical. So, and this whole thing is pretty kind of crazy. It's way more involved than you would think it would be. But basically like a week or two later, I had to go with a a different recruiter. They drove me to a hotel near the airport. And then I had to sleep in the hotel that night with another guy. The other guy was shipping out the next day. He was also joining the Navy, okay. but he was shipping out. And then we would take a shuttle bus together to the MEPS facility and go through a process of like physicals and a whole bunch of bullshit. Like the basically the recruitment thing was this is what it is. Yeah. And then once that was done, then I assuming I passed all that, then I was gonna be on my way to and that and that that's when I would know my ship out date. So that was fucking bizarre. But at this point is when I gave my notice at tower. Cause I'm like, I'm going to get in. I'm pretty sure I'm going to pass my physicals, you know, like I'm not worried about any of that. So I gave notice. I basically told tower, like my, I'm going to try to ship out at the end of April. So, you know, that's when my lease is up. That's when my ship out date is going to be. And that that's when I'll not work here anymore. And they were like, sorry to see me go, but yeah. wish me, wish me luck in all my future endeavors. And so fast forward like the you know week and a half or two weeks or whatever it was. And I had another recruiter who I dealt with a little bit at the office come pick me up and drive me to the airport. And while we were driving to the airport, he was like grooming me for talking to the higher ups and the people who actually do all this stuff. And he was basically telling me all the things I should lie about when I got there. He's like, tomorrow they're going to ask you questions. They're going to ask you about your past. So you're gonna you you haven't been arrested, you haven't had any trouble with the law, you have not ever taken antidepressants, and I was like, but I have, I told you I have, and he's like, yes, but from now on you haven't taken antidepressants in the past, you've never had you've never seen a psychiatrist, <laughs> you're not bisexual, <laughs> you know, like basically all the things that I was like, is this gonna keep me out of the military? And he's like, no, I need you as a number on my fucking stats, so. He told me all the things to lie about the next day, and I was like, "Okay, well, whatever. Like, it's not that important to me. Whatever it'll take to get in." Yeah. Um. So that night, I my roommate was this guy who I don't remember his name. Very nice dude. He we chatted a little bit. He was also trying to be a Navy SEAL. He was actually leaving the next day to go to basic training, and he spent the whole night talking to his girlfriend on the phone. Like we chatted for about an hour and then I went to bed and he just laid in the other bed talking to his girlfriend all night. And I slept maybe 10 minutes. I got like no sleep. Um, because I don't because well. you were nervous. Eh, I mean, I don't sleep well anyway, especially if I'm anxious. So like day before the first day of a new job or anything like that, I just don't sleep well. Yeah. And this is no exception. So yeah, I just stared at the ceiling the whole night, got up, didn't have any breakfast cause I felt sick took the shuttle bus to the facility and then we proceeded to like be just corralled from place to place and at one point like we did blood work you know they took blood they gave us hearing tests eye exams and all that kind of shit right all the like physical stuff to see if we were you know if we had anything wrong with us mm-hmm. and then this work out like a little weird but i was like okay this is this is how the military is going to be we had to get into our underpants and then stand in a fucking line. So there's 40 dudes all standing. And we were like in groups. You know what I mean? And it was based on, I don't know. I don't even know what the what it was based on. It was all different ethnicities and ages ranged from like probably 18 or 17 to like early 30s. Um, but we were all in our fucking boxer shorts and tighty-whities and shit. No, no shoes, no socks, no shirts, no pants, just under, underwear. And I remember looking down the line at all these guys and there was one other guy in better shape than me <laughs> and i was like fuck yeah <laughs> it's, it's all culminated to this like i remember how I, I can't even tell you how good it felt to be in that room and be like i've got a leg up on all these dudes now whether or not i do who knows but right then i was like i i can outrun all these guys i could fucking out push up all these guys like they got nothing on me right i remember feeling very good about myself like very strong in the moment like oh yeah fucking all right <laughs> like they're looking yeah they're looking at me like damn that guy did some work <laughs> you know right. like i got ready for this um i remember we had to do fucking duck walks across the room in our underwear like, we had to squat down and walk across the room and shit. I had to, like, kneel and do all this kind of, like, calisthenics in our underwear. Sure. Like, while people were watching us. And then this is where it got fucking gnarly. Because <laughs> there was a door. And we all lined up in front of the door. And then one by one in our underpants, we'd go into the door and not come back out. <laughs> and I was like, what's through that door? <laughs> right?
1: What color was the door?
0: It was just a regular door, man. It was cream. I don't know. (laughs) It
1: was cream.
0: (laughs) But it was like, what is behind that fucking door? And we're not allowed to talk to each other, so we're all standing silently in a line in our underwear, one by one going into the door. So finally, it's my turn (laughs) to go into the door. So I go, and I open the door, and I walk in, and there's a guy sitting on a, a chair, and he looks like, you know Stanley from The Office? Yeah. He looks like Stanley from The Office, like everything. He's black, he's older, he looks disgruntled as fuck. Yeah. He's wearing a doctor's coat. And I'm like, okay, he's going to do something doctorly. He tells me to turn around, take my underpants down, bend over at the waist, and spread my ass cheeks. (laughs) And he didn't tell me what he was going to do once I did that.
1: And you didn't ask.
0: I didn't ask. I turned the fuck around and I spread my ass cheeks for Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so expecting for him to do something, like just stick a finger in there. Or I don't. I really didn't know what he was looking for. Fucking but your I your ass out. <laughs> I, I did, I really, I was prepared for anything. I was like, okay, don't ask, don't tell. Just let's spread the cheeks and see what happens. And he didn't do anything. He said, all right, pull your pants back up and go through this other door that was on the other side of him, and they'll tell you where to go next. I think he was checking for hemorrhoids. I really don't know what else he could have visually been looking for, but he definitely looked at my asshole, and it was a very weird experience.
1: (laughs) I'll (laughs) never forget that. Looking for a balloon knot or something.
0: Dude, I'll never forget that. Take down your underpants, turn around bend at the waist and spread your your ass cheeks and i i was like i don't know what comes next (laughs) so freaked out (laughs) i didn't know when i woke up that morning that that was what was in store but anyway uh the next portion of the recruitment process was to talk to a job counselor and kind of figure out what your contract was going to be what your plan was and the thing about it that's weird is you can't like at least i couldn't just like say i want to be a navy seal doesn't, right. like, work that way. You 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 choose a, car- a career path, and then once you're in, like, through basic training, then at that point you apply to BUDS and try to get into SEAL training. But it, you have to already have a plan because you may not get into BUDS. You may wash out of BUDS. So um, they were trying to get me to consider going to, like th- – they wanted me to go into, like, intelligence and, like, code breaking and shit. Like, they were – Pushing me, and they were like, "Yeah, you're going to have to do a little deeper security clearances." But this is a—you've got a high enough score—that sixty-nine I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I guess put me in an area where they're like, "Yeah, you could you could do a lot with this. You could go a lot." And I was like, "I don't want to do any of that." First of all, I was like, "I don't want you to do any harder background checks on me because you didn't find anything yet." But yeah, right. I'd rather you not look harder. You know, I've already been told to lie, but I can't lie if you're looking at all this shit. So I didn't want to be put on like a lie detector test or something. Right. But yeah, they were talking about Fort Meade and shit, like like which is where they train fucking spies and stuff, I guess. Shit. Like I don't know. But I was like, okay, that's cool, but it's not I I don't want to be a fucking spook or anything like that. Like just <laughs> just put me where I want to go. I just want to go and fucking slit throats. But uh <laughs> Exactly. but uh yeah so i the the route i took was i actually was going to go into like the journalism school and do the journalism side of things that's and partially because it would if if i didn't get into buds it was something like chill and non it was like something easy you know i had to take a fucking typing test to do it and i've never typed in my life other than just you know poking and Hunting and poking, or whatever it's called, people who don't know how to type. But I guess I was good enough just from writing screenplays and shit on my own that I scored what I needed to score. But, and also it was only a three year contract instead of a four year contract, which I found weird. But I was like, all right, let's do that. And the guy was like, listen, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get into buds. You, whether or not you'll go through buds, that there's no way to tell. You could break your ankle on day two, but like I can already tell you're gonna get in. So don't worry too much about that. But you can't. Officially, you can't do that until you've gone through basic training. So this is just like on paper. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I remember I was feeling really fucking sick, like nauseous after the whole spread your butt cheeks thing and not getting any sleep. (laughs) And I remember while I was waiting to talk to the job counselor, I excused myself to go to the bathroom and I threw my guts up. I just like just threw up like everything and then wiped my mouth off and rinsed and then went back out and just sat back down and waited (laughs) like it didn't happen it's a very uh intense experience the whole thing and it took like a whole day everything was was fucking weird
1: was your internal voice like screaming this is an awful fucking idea no it was like it wasn't that cut and dry my internal voice was like what are
0: you doing man like really are you really doing this And then my other voice was like, fuck, yeah, you are. You're going to blow shit up and shoot guns and learn how to fucking garrote motherfuckers. And you're going to kill people legally. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like I was, it really fit my mind because I was very manic. I would have like moments where I felt fine. And then I'd have moments where I felt horrible and I just wanted nothing to do with being me. And so it was hard to tell if that was what was happening or or my instinct was saying don't join the military. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't it wasn't so obvious that I was ignoring it. You know what I mean? Right. At this point. Now, here's where things get kind of interesting. They're the last part of this whole process at maps this day with the physical and the, the job counselor and everything was what they made it sound like after you do all this, you're gonna go get sworn into the military and you're gonna be in the navy. Right. Yeah. So we we all went in a room. Those of us who didn't get weeded out already, and waited more. There's a lot of fucking waiting. Um, and at a certain point, we all fucking raised our hands and said like whatever weird pledge we were supposed to say that was supposed to be like us joining the military. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in the fucking navy. It is what it is. And I've got at least three years to figure out if I made a bad choice. So then. I get home and now I've got like three weeks to like think about it Fuck. and I'm still going to work. I'm still going to tower. Some of the stories I told you in the last episode or earlier in this episode even happened after that. You know mm. what I mean? Like I'm still living my life. I'm not panicking because I, I don't I'm not worried about where I'm going to live because I know like I the lease is up at the same time as I'm going to go to the fucking I'm gonna fly to the Great Lakes Naval Academy or whatever it is up north of Chicago. Yeah. And uh, which was weird because I was going back to Chicago. Holy fuck <laughs> but dude. the irony was not lost on me. Yeah. But I was like, okay, I'll just I've got some time to kill. I'm gonna hang out with some people, you know, maybe I can get my prick wet. <laughs> um, you know, have a little fun before I go. And then a bunch of like kind of stuff happened, but it wasn't like anything specific. Like, I remember I hung out with this girl, Lauren, who I met at Tower. She was like a new hire right around this time, actually, when I was joining up. And she liked me like she, liked me in as much as she thought I was attractive. And she was you know, pretty down for having fun or whatever. And I remember she came over to my apartment, slept over, you know, we fucked and had some fun. And I talked to her a bunch and she was like, I don't understand why you're joining. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like do whatever you want to do, but she didn't get it. She was older. I was, like I said, I'm 22. I think she was like 26 or 25. She's a little older than me. Okay. And she was just like, eh, you know, it is what it is, but I don't get it. I think you should stay. And I was like, well, it's too late anyway. I already joined the the Navy. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was official at that point. There was this guy named Chase who I can't remember if I mentioned him before, but he's a drummer. Yeah. He was a drummer in a band called Moto Christ and super nice guy and he used to he had this like thing he would just say like at the end of you know when he was like walking away like instead of saying take it easy or whatever he'd say like never ever stop rocking <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: right that was like his fucking his mantra and i remember he said it to me once and i was like oh fuck i'm going to have to stop rocking <laughs> like i gave up rocking you know like yeah and i remember when i was like when i was joining the military the guy kept being like oh you can fucking join the navy band and i was like nope not doing that Get the fuck out of here <laughs> no chance of that i'd sooner be a a a prostitute sir but yeah i remember him saying that to me and being like i'm gonna have to stop rocking and it was like all it was like over the course of two days man where i was like went from being fine to being like what the fuck am i doing and then i did a little bit of research i went online went to the library and went on the internet and just kind of seeing like how legally binding is what I've done already at this point. Cause I'm like, you know, they've told me to lie about a bunch of shit. Right. So yeah, I, 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 found out that there's a thing called the moment of truth. When you get, when you get off the bus at, at basic training where they basically ask you if you've lied about anything during the process yet, and they give you like a final chance to come clean that, you know, you're fucking whatever you are. And the, at this point, if you, Past this, if you're like everything's true, that's when you're actually sworn into the military. Okay. So I'm like, I'm not I'm not in yet. And I was like, fuck. As soon as I realized that I wasn't officially in yet legally, I was like, I'm not going. (laughs) Like like that's I realized I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna have to shave every day. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm gonna have to poop in front of strangers and like all the things, all the reasons that I should have thought about before when I was thinking about slitting the throats all at once and i was like no what no this is a bad idea (laughs) this isn't going to be good for anybody and so i remember being like well okay this is going to be a really awkward conversation and this is sort of interesting on its own because it's kind of like quitting a job where you can just quit with no notice right right you can't really do that in this situation (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like a job I had to go in and physically talk to the manager and explain. So I was like, this is going to be the most awkward conversation I've ever had. But I've got to do it. Like, I'm not just going to not show up and have them looking for me. So I call. I remember calling the recruiter and he was like, I was like, hey, we got to you know talk and blah, blah, blah. And so I set up an appointment to come talk to him like the next day. And of course, I was like, my stomach was fucking in knots and everything. I was oh, like, shit, this is dude. gonna be so awkward. <laughs> I wasn't scared or anything, you know what I mean? I was just like, this is gonna be so uncomfortable. But I just have to rip the Band-Aid off. So I went in there and I told the original recruiter kind of what I was thinking, and then he was like, I, I can't, I can't let you out of your contract. It's already done. You have to, uh, you should talk to the recruiter supervisor guy. And so I like waited around till he was available, and he was like he's an older guy. He's like big fucking muscly dude. Like kind of what you're expecting from like the guy in charge and, you know, fucking high and tight haircut and everything. And, yeah. um, any, well, I went into his office and I basically explained, listen, here's my situation. And I don't think it's right for me. I think that it's not going to turn out well. And I know it sucks, but it's better. I'm telling you now than I'm telling you like, you know, day of or something. I said, whatever I said. And he like, he basically was like, you can't, you have to go. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't. And he's like, you know, you made a promise. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, so did my ex-girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sometimes things change, you know, you, you make a choice, you make a wrong choice. I'm like, listen, I know this sucks in every way. I said, but here's the, here's the situation. I'm not going to join And I'm acknowledging, side note, that this makes me look like an asshole, especially to people who are patriotic and who take this shit really seriously and who would never do what I'm doing right now in this moment. And I acknowledge that. You and I are cut from different cloths. It is what it is. You're going to think what you think about me. I've made choices I made. But this is how it happened. (laughs) I basically said, listen, I'm not going to go in, but. If you want, I can go to boot camp, and then when they take me in, the, that moment of truth, I can tell them all the things you guys asked me to lie about to get me to this point. I can have a clean. I can say, you know what? I need to clean my conscience. I was prescribed Prozac for a year when I was in high school, and I am openly bisexual in my day-to-day life. And I am like, you know, they're just gonna throw me the fuck out. They're not gonna let me even off the bus. <laughs> so right now, I am in. I am the asshole. You can pin it on me. He's a fucking asshole. He's got no character or whatever. But if you make me go, they're still not going to let me in. But you're going to look like the asshole. I'm so like, I'm making it easier. Lie. Yeah, I'm like, I'm making it easier on you by letting me be the bad guy here. It sucks. But at least this way, you can just point and say he's weak, weak of character. And instead of them saying like, oh, you can't come in because you, you lied. And then now they know the recruiters told me to lie. And he was like, dude, his face was fucking red. What was was your demeanor
1: when you were saying this? Were you like very calm? Okay,
0: no, very calm. I was like, here's the situation. First of all, I he was kind of trying to push me around. Yeah. Like at first he was trying to like strong arm me. And I was like, it's not going to fucking work with me. Like I I'm not physically afraid in this moment. So here's the details. Make your choice. I'm like, if you want me to go and put put you in that, st- I'll do it if that's what you want. But it's a waste of both of our time. They're not going to have me stay. They're going to send me the fuck home. So, and he, I remember he like, he didn't say anything and he's like, you're a fucking cream puff. And I laughed because I was like, Jesus, call me a cream puff. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, you certainly have the right to your opinion. I assume we're done here. Have a great day. You know, and I fucking left. And that was the end of that. And I walked out of there feeling relieved, but also like the fuck am I going to do now? Cause I still had like two weeks to go before I had to be out of that apartment. And I had like 80 bucks in my pocket <laughs> and like nowhere to live. And I knew like seven people and three of them didn't have an apartment. You know what I mean? Like I just was, I was in a fucking, for a minute I was like, oh, I'm fucked. Are you still working I'm a f-
1: tower though at this point?
0: Yeah, I had given my notice, but I was still working, because I was basically going to work up until, like, two days before I shipped out. Right. So, I was like, no, I am I'm, I still have a job. <laughs> I remember the first thing I did was I called Tower, and I was like, hey, can I still work there? Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to join the Navy. The thing that's hilarious is, like, at some point after that, when I came back to work, like... After I officially was not going to quit anymore, they put on that fucking in the navy the, the fucking <laughs> yeah. village people song, like as like a fuck you to me, like ha like messing with me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they all were like they were all like dancing and stuff when I walked in, <laughs> like fuck you guys. They all thought it was fucking hilarious, which is funny because it's obvious I fit in there better than I would have fit in at the navy. That's for sure. But yeah, so um, still had my job, didn't have a place to live. So around the same time, this girl Stephanie had gotten hired. I think I mentioned her maybe before a little bit, but she Can I was cut new. You she off real quick, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. What about Lauren? Uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> we, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't following. We weren't falling in love. If that's what you
1: Well, no, I know, but we're going from Lauren to Stephanie. Did anything else happen with Lauren, or just like hung out a few times? Nah, just hung out a few times. A little casual sex. Nothing
0: like nothing beyond that. It was very casual. She wasn't down for like she knew I just got out of the relationship and I was not interested in like trying to meet a girlfriend. Yeah. And she was completely okay with that. So okay. yeah, we we had some fun. We 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 made it physical. We were very friendly at work. I remember after that happened like walking with her to work sometimes cuz she lived right down the street from me. So we'd like walk to work together just as friends, you know? Yeah, it was very chill. It was okay. the way it should be. Yeah, nothing weird there. But this girl Stephanie got hired there, and it was before. It was like after I was planning on going to the Navy. Is when she got hired, and we hadn't really talked that much other than, oh, you know what? Remember my Val Kilmer story? Yeah, she was the one that wanted to ring up Val Kilmer. Okay, so she was on register that day with me, and that's that's who she was. That's who she was. So that Val Kilmer thing happened after <laughs> I was planning on joining the Navy. Just to give you some context. <laughs> right. But yeah, we, we got along. She played bass. She was into like some good music. She was, she was a nice chick. She was funny. Uh, we got along well. She was cute. Tall, very tall and older than me. I think she was like 28 or 29, mm. which to me seemed ancient at the time, which is hilarious because <laughs> now it seems like a fucking youngster. But yeah, we, we got along. And I remember when I decided not to go to the Navy and then I started working with her again, she was a lot more friendly with me. And I realized that she had been keeping me at a distance cause she thought I was leaving. So there's no point in getting to know me. Okay. And then once I decided to stay, suddenly she was like a lot more interested in me. Cool. Not like interested, like, Oh, I think she likes me, but she just showed more interest, you know? Yeah. So we started hanging out a little bit and she had her own apartment. I remember the gears started turning right away. And this is, this story is going to make me look bad. And I know that, and guess what? All of this fucking episode is making me look bad. So <laughs> strap in. <laughs> but the fucking
1: cream puff yeah
0: i'm definitely a cream puff i do like cream puffs um, Is that the
1: last thing he said to you and then you just walked more out more or less okay that was
0: like he called me a fucking cream puff and i was like well i guess we're through here <laughs> he just had to say it you know what i mean yeah i thought it was funny that he chose that as the insult i mean i guess that was like the ultimate insult to him and i was
1: like eh, could you could do better than that that but also maybe the start of like trying to make you prove yourself like yeah maybe you know could be
0: could be unfortunately i had no desire to prove myself to him at all right um and instead here we go uh so i remember very early on this girl stephanie i was like you know she's cool i like her i like being around her she's got her own place (laughs) i'm like i wonder if i played my cards right if i could charm her into Let me crash. You know what I mean? And I just met her like two, three weeks, like very, very recently. And there was no reason for me to think I'm that charming. I just was like, I don't have a lot of choices here. And I remember talking to John. We talked about John before as one of the assistants there, the big pun, Fat Joe guy, Yeah, the guy that got Corey Feldman's uh, hilarious signature. He he was like, you know, you could probably stay with me, my girlfriend. He lived with his girlfriend, Kara, and she was going back to Boston for part of the summer. So he was like, you could probably stay with me, but it'd be better if you waited until after Carol was gone. And then you could stay while she's gone and it won't be it, it won't matter. She won't be there. So you won't have to she won't have to deal with whatever inconveniences that causes. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice. I appreciate that. So I'm like, OK, I just have to figure out somewhere to stay for like. Three weeks or a month, you know what I mean? It's not like I have to figure out out that far ahead. But, yeah, I was like, you know, maybe I could work this out. I didn't really have a lot of other options. There was a guy who worked the day shift uh, who was weirdly seemed almost infatuated with me. Like he was also into lifting, but he was not as buff as me at the time. And I remember him always making comments about my fucking guns. <laughs> like borderline gay you know what i mean yeah. he didn't really come off as gay but he was very fixated on me physically yeah, and when okay. he found out that i needed a place to stay he's like oh you come fucking stay with me and i was like do you have two bedrooms or what's the deal he's like no i got a one bedroom but i got a couch you can stay on the couch and i was like all right we'll call that plan c <laughs>
1: what but- a motherfucker you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of but uh <laughs> i'm running out of options i got three options <laughs>
0: They were none of them were like great options, you know what I mean. One of them was like Hail Hail Mary, the other one was like In the Future, and then the third one was like I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna wake up with this guy's lips wrapped around my dick, and I'm not in. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. I, I wasn't out of options; it just was very, very on the edge. Okay. Anyway, we start me and me and Stephanie start hanging out and like going on. I guess you could call them dates. You know, I remember we went and saw The Matrix nice and this will make me look bad too because the matrix was new it had just come out and i was really excited to see it and she we were going to see it together and she like didn't want me to see it before her because we're going to see it together but i fucking went anyway and i saw it on opening night when she was working and then i didn't tell her and then when i saw it with her i pretended like it was my first time seeing it (laughs) because i'm a fucking asshole (laughs) I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but I also didn't want
1: to wait <laughs> to see it, so I saw it twice. Did you, like, fucking start acting and shit? Like, oh, did you see that?
0: I, a lo- I remember a little bit. Yeah, I did. And I think she was smart enough to know I was full of shit, but nice enough to not call me on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny. Yeah. I remember we saw it together at the Chinese theater. That was... Uh, anyway. <laughs> but this will tie in, actually, kind of good. So, Elijah Wood you're familiar with his work. Oh, I love Elijah as, as, as Frodo. So yeah, I like Elijah Wood, too. And he used to come into tower semi-regularly. He was a nice guy. He would chat the, the customers up. I remember one day he was talking to uh sorry, chat the employees up. I remember one day he was talking to a group of employees and we were talking about some girl that he was kind of into. and he's like kind of being he was talking about how like he wasn't sure, blah blah. blah. And I remember thinking like, you're fucking Elijah Wood. Like, why are you? Why are you even having these thoughts, bro? Like, just be Elijah Wood and go get what you got. You know, like, go get what's yours.
1: <laughs> like, what had like, he done up to that point,
0: dude? Like, a lot of little kid shit. He did a movie called The War with Kevin Costner. He did a movie called North. He was in The Good Son, I North? believe, with Macaulay Culkin. North was Culkin. a trippy movie, dude. North is a weird movie. It was before Lord of the Rings, but right. he had done stuff. Like, I knew who he was. Yeah. I wasn't. He was not like B list to me. I was like, Oh, it's fucking Elijah Wood. Yeah. I feel like I'm forgetting a big one, but nothing was as big, obviously as Lord of the Rings when that came out. And that came out maybe two years later, Yeah, two or three years. So yeah, he used to come in pretty regularly. And I used to talk to, I used to see him like out in the world too, just like at places, you know, just like, Oh fuck, there's Elijah Wood. And I remember talking to Stephanie about it. We were out hanging out like on one of our, you know, hangout nights and being like, yeah, fucking, I see Elijah Wood all the time in L.A., just around. He's like, you know, it's like that thing where once you see something, you always see it. Right. Only that was Elijah Wood for me. Like I just <laughs> saw him a lot. And then, like, at the end of that night, we're at the Griffith Observatory, just, like, looking out the fucking lights in the city and whatever we're up at the top and i look down to the left and fucking elijah wood is down there like <laughs> with some girl on the other end of the fucking the mezzanine area yeah. and i like i start laughing and stephanie's like what i'm like I look down there and she looks she's like oh my fucking god <laughs> you're right and then elijah wood looks down and gives me the what's up nod you know <laughs> like, Do like you i don't think he's i don't know honestly i maybe maybe not but he gave me like the oh hey i see you acknowledging me yeah you know like, he wasn't a dickhead, you know? Yeah. And it, it's possible. I mean, I, I fucking saw the guy at Tower a bunch, but it was really fucking funny that I had been talking about how I saw him everywhere, and then he's fucking there. It was like, couldn't have been planned any better. It's so funny. It was weird. LA is weird, is my point. Anyway, the short version of this really long story is that Stephanie did let me crash at her place, and... You know, we had a physical relationship and then quickly it became apparent that we were not a good match. And I was not interested in having a girlfriend. I just needed a place to stay and she was cool. And she didn't I don't think she wanted a boyfriend, but I remember there was a moment where we're out in public and she like went to hold my hand and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) you know what i mean yeah and then there was like a couple of times where she would come home late after like being out partying she was a partier she was like a drinker and stuff and i was sort of trying to get over all my weirdness my straight edge weirdness about people doing what they're going to do as adults yeah so i was of like living and let living a bit and then i was also like well it's her apartment and i i'm just a guest here so i'm not going to like make a stink about her behavior but there was times where she'd come home and i just like didn't want anything to do with her because she was all fucking drunk and smelled like alcohol
1: and yeah
0: it's like, no, thank you. And then it was just like a culmination of like a bunch of that and personality stuff. And then at a certain point she went, she was like going to Vegas for the weekend with a friend and she left on Friday. And then when I got home from wherever I was, there was a message on the answering machine and it was her telling me that I, she wanted me out by the time she got back on Sunday. And Whoa. I was like, yeah. And I was
1: like, okay, well, I guess I guess that's that. <laughs> was it was it an aggressive message? was it what was it like?
0: It was yeah, it wasn't like fuck you or screaming or anything, but it was very cut and dry and not friendly. Wow, it was she was not happy with me. And the truth is, like i I joke about like, oh, I stopped performing sexually up to her standard, and then she fucking threw me out. And there's definitely some kind of coincidental stuff with that like that that's a joke i make but it may be true but also you know like we just weren't we weren't a good match you know what i mean i think she was feeling very judged by me and by my like i was trying not to just be in her face about it but she could tell i I didn't approve of her lifestyle okay kind of a thing and she just got tired of having me around (laughs) You know what I mean? Understandably, no part of me is like, "How dare she!" But I was like, "Okay, well, this got tricky again because I still had like another three weeks before yeah. I could move in with John." And I remember John—I called John. I was like, "Hey, so here's my situation," and he's like, "Let me let me talk to my girlfriend." And then he basically was like, "Yeah, you can come stay with us. Like, it's it's not a big deal." And I remember the first time I went there, I he was at work, and I met his girlfriend for the first time, like saying, "Hi, I'm Lou. I'm moving in." <laughs> You know, that kind of a thing. How'd that go? That <laughs> it was, it was weird. She was really cool. She was actually really cool. I assume she's still really cool, but at the time, she was really cool. <laughs> it was fine. It just was like, uh, okay, just rolling with the punches as they come. Um, And then that was when I started living with John, and I enjoyed it. We got along really well. He had a guest room. He had a puppy named Emma, a little Lasso Apso, a little cute floppy Muppet-looking dog. And um, Kara was cool. And then when she left, it was just me and him. And he used to throw parties. And this was relevant because, like I said, I was trying to get away from my whole straight edge judging everybody for not being like me thing. And yeah. also, I didn't want to isolate myself. I want to make friends. I want to like enjoy life. And so he would have parties where everybody come over and get drunk and drink and act like how people act when they are at a party and drinking. And one of the first ones he had, I made it about halfway before I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I basically went in the guest room and like closed the door. And I was just like disappeared. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I need to get the fuck out of here. This is, this is really just too much. It's too intense. There's too much yelling and alcoholing and whatever. It just was not, I did not feel comfortable. And then I was playing guitar in the room, and this girl who... One of the LP guys had brought her to the party. The LP guys from Tower. Yeah. Her name was Bobby. She's a really cute blonde chick. She was... And she I remember she was wearing this really sexy white dress. Like, she was dressed for a party, you know? But she was sitting on the balcony, like, smoking or something. And where I was sitting playing guitar like we were with an eye shot of each other yeah and then she started talking to me through the fucking window mm-hmm. like she's sitting at the corner of the balcony smoking and i was like sitting inside the room talking we had like a i don't know an hour and a half long conversation <laughs> like that <It> was <laughs> she so was weird. outside the whole time <laughs> the whole time just <laughs> looking chatting me up and were you playing just, with an amp or without without okay yeah I, didn't, I wasn't plugged in but yeah we just talked and she's really nice and got along she gave me her phone number and i never called her because i'm a Fucking bitch. (laughs) And also because I wasn't sure what the deal was, and I didn't want to, like, fuck with that guy's girl. I wasn't trying to, like, cause drama in that way. But, yeah, she was super nice. And I remember thinking, like, if all parties could be like that, I'd be in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Another very... (sighs) This is is a funny story, and it's funny because of what you know about me and my my straight-edgeness and everything, but there was this girl named Cindy that worked at Tower. And... Hispanic girl very like not like not from the same kind of background as me at all like very like I don't know probably she probably had like family members that were gang members kind of a thing okay. you know and she's super cute and real nice at work but we just were like work acquaintances and then. I remember I was like, oh, something about her is like really appealing to me all of a sudden. Like one day I was like, Cindy's really cute. And she'd never given me any kind of a vibe. And I was like, I'm going to try and experiment because I look how I look like I I wear what I wear. Like I'm in shape, but I'm like, I wonder if I fucking somehow got her to see my abs, if it would change her reaction to me at all. (laughs) And so we were working register together one day and I remember like casually like, waiting till it was like a, a, a slow moment. And I like pulled my shirt up to like wipe my face with it. And the whole time I'm like flexing my fucking abs as hard as I can, like getting every fucking everything like, but, like acting like it's casual, you know, like I'll just wipe my eye here with my shirt, put it down. And I swear to fucking Christ, she was like interested after that. Yeah. And she was flirtatious after that. She would like talking to me more. I was like, holy shit. Abs work (laughs) anybody who says they don't does not have them (laughs) abs are better than a sense of humor i'm gonna be honest so yeah and then i took it up a notch but not on purpose because the next party john had she was there and at one point i went to the bathroom so i was like walking through his bedroom to the master bathroom and she was coming out of the bathroom at the same time and we were like together passing in the hallway for a second yeah. and she just grabbed me and started kissing me and i was like all right like let's do this kissing her and she tasted like fucking booze you know what i mean like i could taste it on, on her, her breath and nah, it wasn't like good but i was like all right let's just fucking swing with it you know like this the end may justify the means you know what i mean yeah, like right. i don't know where this is going i'm not 100% sure i'm comfortable with it i don't know how sh- how drunk she is right and as I'm having all these thoughts and trying to like decide like am I okay with being sober and having like any kind of a sexual escapade with this drunk girl she stops kissing me and looks at me panicked and then turns and barfs into the sink (laughs) 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 and I'm like I know and I was like oh well that didn't turn out how I thought it would but I guess saved by the bell a little bit (laughs) (laughs) like it was a close fucking call dude like she got very close to throwing up in my mouth and then she turned from the sink and went back to the bathroom and i like held her hair while she threw up into the fucking toilet for like another you know i don't know seven minutes or something and then she like rinsed her mouth out and like went back to the party and i like rinsed the sink so that all the barf was gone and then i took my leak and then i went back out of the party like nothing happened and it was very strange and then This is where it gets very Lewish, because for the like the next two days, I was like, you know, like I was talking about like, am I comfortable being the sober guy fooling around with the drunk girl? And as time passed, I was like, no, I'm really not comfortable with that. Like, I started feeling like I did something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I took advantage of the situation or whatever. I'm like, ah, I fucking feel shitty. And then at some point, like pretty quickly after that, I had a talk with her at work and i was like hey i just i want to like touch base with you and like make sure you know, and i kind of told her like where i was coming from and she's like i don't remember that at all <laughs> and i'm like you don't she's like no i don't remember any of that she's like but i'm sorry but also that's cool i do it sober like <laughs> like don't feel bad you're fine like she was like she wasn't really embarrassed cuz i don't think she remembered it but right. She was like, yeah, don't worry about it. And then like, was still super flirtatious with me and shit. And we never hooked up after that because I just, I feel like I was scarred a little bit by it, (laughs) the experience, Yeah, but, but yeah, that was a very, an iconic moment in my mind where I almost got barfed into, (laughs) yeah, it was very, very bizarre little like, how the hell did I get myself into this? You know, how's this my situation?
1: That's that's the so, fucking
0: party life, bro. Exactly. So now we get to the point where I'm actually going to quit Tower Records, as fun as it is. And here's why. <laughs> you remember we talked about that Alice Cooper in-store? Yes. Yeah, so Alice Cooper did an in-store. Uh, during that Alice Cooper in-store, I'm in the back room, sitting on the couch, chatting with like friends. And Stephanie comes into the back, and this is after she had asked me to leave, like maybe... I don't know, days after she comes in the back and she's fucking pissed. Oh, no. and basically w- what happened was Sally, who I told you before about Matt Zane, the porno actor guy who she was friends with. She had asked me like, Hey, what happened with you and Stephanie? Like you guys were like cool and everything. And all of a sudden you guys aren't talking anymore. And I was like, I basically said like, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. You know, like she left a mess on our answer machine telling me to leave. And I was like, all right, it's your, it's your place. That's, I will I will do as you wish. And she's like, what do you think happened? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I maybe she wanted more than I was comfortable giving in terms of like I I don't know. She didn't tell me, so all I can do is speculate. But maybe she wanted like a more boy boyfriendy situation than I was willing to give. Yeah. But I I don't know. That's just my I don't know. And that's what I said more or less to her. I didn't really say anything more or less incendiary. Oh no. But when Stephanie got to work that day, she was mad at me. She was basically like, why are you telling Sally anything? And And I was like, listen, Sally and me are friends. She asked me a question. I told her I didn't know. And here's what I think. And if I'm wrong, then I apologize. But you never told me, you just told me to get out. So like, is there a moratorium on me speaking? (laughs) Like, I, I'm not going to not talk about you. Like, you're not dead. You're here. We both work with the same people. We're friends with mutual people. Like, what do you... I don't understand why you're mad at me. It's fine if, if you're, like, uncomfortable with the situation, but, like, why are you yelling at me right now in front of fucking half the staff in the and back she was room was tower? She was fucking yelling. She was mad. She was pissed off. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on here. But I was super like, okay, this is this is not going to get better. And I was like, you know... There's a video store right across the street <laughs> that I could maybe work at. Is Jack's. still so I was like, I wonder. There? She's still working there, yeah. Her, her new boyfriend is no longer working there. He's now, like, scalping tickets or something. He's doing something else. He quit. But she still works there. She actually, I think, might have even been a supervisor at this point over there, like a key holder. But... I was like, okay, I I asked Jay, like within a day or two of that incident, I talked to Jay, the manager of Tower Records, and I was like, hey, is there any way I could transfer to the video store? And I shit you not, what he said to me was, who'd you fuck? Oh, no. I was like, god damn, you're clairvoyant. (laughs) He's like, no, I've just been working here a long time. I was like, yeah, me and Stephanie are not not going to be able to work together probably comfortably anytime soon. And he's like, all right, let me talk to James, who was the manager at the video store. Um, I think Jay was like both. He was like the manager of both. But James was the manager of the video store underneath him. Yeah. You know, kind of that. I'm not sure exactly, but it was something like that. So then they got together and had a chat. And then he came back to me. and He's like, yeah, you can. I think I had to meet James and talk to him. But they decided that I could transfer And I feel like my schedule is almost exactly the same. Like, one day maybe changed, but it was very close to the same schedule. And it was right across the street. It was, like, the most convenient, like, quitting a job and getting another job I've ever had. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's how I ended up not working at the the record store anymore. That was the end of that. And it was about probably four months. I think it was, like, middle of May when I quit and I got hired, like, the end of January, something like that. This is
1: probably the most influential time in your life up to this point wouldn't you agree
0: like yeah surrounding a job yeah yeah I would say so it's like like when I look back at Town & Country that second bout of Town & Country that was a longer period of time and I had a lot of fun but there weren't as many like real shifts in personality and circumstance as there were during this time yeah I mean this time Here's the thing. If I was a suicidal type person, I maybe would have killed myself during this period of time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how severe my ups and downs were, my highs and my lows. Luckily I don't have that, that notch is something that just doesn't in me. Like, I had like a fucking split second in high school where I thought about killing myself, but it was mostly like, how can I punish the people who are irritating me the most right now?
1: Yeah, that's something else. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and once I realized like, oh, you you know, here's honestly, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but... I I remember thinking, like, ah if I could hang myself from the rafters of this fucking basement where my bedroom is and have my stepmom, like, come down the stairs and find me fucking swinging with, like, (laughs) piss and shit falling out of my pants on the floor underneath me, I'm like, that'd be really fucking cool. Because fuck her. You know that kind of thing? Like, I I fucking, I hated her at the time. And so, I remember having that thought, but then immediately I was like, you know what, though? I won't be able to enjoy her reaction. (laughs) So there's no point. Because exactly. just knowing it is not enough. I I want to see the reaction and know it had the impact that I meant. And I'm like, you know what? That's not. I have a better idea. How about I just fucking run away and rob banks and surf and fuck chicks? And that's my life. <laughs> like, why am I worried about making her so fucking sad? Fuck her. I, I can cut her out of my life entirely. I'm going to be 18 in like two or three years. I'll never have to fucking see her again. And guess what? I turned 18. I've never fucking seen her again. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Not true. I saw her once, but it's because she came into my fucking work once and I had to rip her movie ticket. But yeah, like (laughs) suicide never made sense to me in the way that it seems to make sense to people who do it. I'm not saying whatever. You know what I mean? Mental health. It's confusing. I don't know. But for me, I'm more like, oh, I've got nothing to lose. Am I that am I that low that I feel like I have nothing to lose? If so, there's nothing from there's nothing stopping me from just living a nihilist life and doing what feels good until it kills me. Right. right yeah so whatever like if i ever got suicidal that's just what would happen if you just if i just left went off the grid disappeared y- you should be like oh lou hit that point where he, if an, if he was a suicidal person he would kill himself but instead he's like robbing banks and surfing like fucking <laughs> point break like patrick swayze and point break you know what i mean <laughs> right. that's what i do instead of killing myself i'd be patrick swayze and point break but anyway yeah it was a it was a a a tumultuous time in my life good and bad i learned a lot about myself i it very much prepared me for the 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 near future where i meet my wife who is not straight edge you know what i mean yeah and had this not happened these things in this way maybe when i met her i wouldn't have been open enough to look over the fact that she's a casual drinker or smoker whatever and yeah i mean it's good i changed in good ways um the pain of the breakup helped me grow. All the, all the good stuff. Here's a little pro, a postscript to this story because it, it happened right around the time that I quit. So at this point, the band had left, Midwest had broken up, and Aaron and Shane had moved back to, um, to Illinois maybe, I don't know, six weeks before. And I remember saying to Aaron, like, that's fine. If you guys want to leave, then leave. But do me a favor and just call the fucking places we have shows booked at and let them know we're not coming right? yeah, And it was more or less like, okay, if you want to leave, leave, but you're going to have to do the dirty work. I'm not calling him and fucking <clears throat> taking the hit, right? Right, And I th- I feel like he did do that, but maybe he didn't, but we had a show set up at a place called the Coconut Teaser, and it, we set it up for like May, like mid-May sometime, and now the Coconut Teaser is no longer a thing, but at the time it was like a pretty well-known club, like Nirvana had played there, and a lot of bands had played there. It was like a, a decent place to get a show. And it was actually right across the street from the McDonald's that we stood at with Ben Stiller when the bomb threat happened during the Virgin Megastore episode. But I digress. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking to work one morning. It's like 745 in the morning. I'm walking, you know, up up fucking Crescent Heights, taking a left on sunset from John's apartment, walking down a tower. Sometimes I like to take the scenic route mm-hmm. and just having thoughts, whatever, thinking about life, like what's going on? Where's 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 my life going? And I look up and I see the fucking marquee of Coconut Teaser. And it says that Midwest is playing tonight. And I was like, you fucker. (laughs) That's a sting, bro. That sucks. I was like, like, I'm supposed to be playing a show there tonight. Like, fuck, it hurts so much. It physically hurt. I believe that, man. And that shit stuck with me, man. Like, uh, fuck, it hurts so much. I was like, god damn it. (laughs) This has not worked out the way I wanted it to. But yeah, that's Tower Records, my friend.
1: So we're going to the movie store
0: next. Next, yeah. I mean, we can let's pp scale this son of a bitch. Yeah. Where do you think Where do you think I go on this one? You think this is a a, a, a ten, an eight, a nine, a four, a seven? A, it's not. We know it's not a four, but
1: no, it's it's. I would probably put this at a nine. You got it, bud.
0: It's a nine. Nueve. It's a nice nine. You want to know what keeps it from being a ten? what who'd you fuck (laughs) i gotta be honest getting yelled at in the back room during a an alice cooper in store is pretty fucking funny
1: that's that's movie worthy for sure
0: yeah I It's hilarious to me that she chose to do it that day. I mean, obviously, she didn't care. She was like, I'm going to go in and yell at him because it's the next time I'm seeing him since being mad at him. Right. But it's like she passed by, probably passed by Alice Cooper on her way to the back room to yell at me. That's, <laughs> it's fucking
1: amazing. L.A. is a crazy place, dude.
0: I love it. I fucking love it. And the, here's the fucking, here's another little weird postscript. Her apartment that she lived at when I was staying with her, I pass it every fucking day. Because it's right down on Franklin's, like, right past Beachwood where I live up in Beachwood Canyon. So anytime I leave Beachwood Canyon, I take a left on Franklin to go to my wife's work or whatever. Or to go to the grocery store or to go to fucking Costco or whatever. I fucking pass that apartment every single time. And I think about it every time. (laughs) Every time I pass it, I look at it and I think, yeah, I fucked in there. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ridiculous. It's like, I'm not a normal person. I really... There's something broken in me. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. We have a podcast because of it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, next time we're going to the video store. It's going to be Tower Video, West Hollywood, which, you know, it's not as... It doesn't have as much of a a reputation as the record store. No one really... I would say most people don't even know that they're two separate things, or they were two separate things. But... As you'll learn in the next episode, there was plenty of shenanigans to be had at the video store as well. Don't worry. You know I love nannies. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. So you're going to get some next time around. But uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this and hopefully I can edit this down to be two episodes and not three. (laughs) It was good talking to you, man. I love you. I love you too. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.